We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's keep things in focus. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it's written by the prophet, and he begins to quote Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. When you've found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Father, we ask for your anointing upon the preaching of your word today. Help us to hear, to receive, and to respond to the truth contained in these scriptures. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Last week we talked about the fact that wise men look up. And when we look up, we find direction and guidance from the Father. When our focus changes from what's out in front of us or what's inside of us to a heavenly vision, then we receive direction from a living God. Wise men look up. Two more points I want to talk to you about this morning over the next few minutes. The second one is wise men are filled with joy. Wise men are filled with joy. I thought about that and the Christmas season and Christianity in general, and I began to wonder, could this be the greatest shortcoming of the church of Jesus Christ? A lack of joy? A lack of happiness? A lack of being able to laugh and enjoy ourselves and other individuals? Could that be our biggest shortcoming? Could it be that we celebrate way too little? I mean, celebrate the good things of God, the mercies of God, the wonders of God, the righteousness of God, His greatness of God. We have so many reasons to be filled with joy, don't we? So many reasons to celebrate. I think we need to understand that we should celebrate life in general. Those of you who have walked through a disease that was supposed to take you out, you need to celebrate the fact that by God's grace and mercy, I'm still here. Amen. Those of you who have walked through terrible emotional trials and relationship difficulties, you should rejoice because you can say, by the grace of God, I'm still standing. Oh, come on, folks. When Satan takes his best shot, you can jump up and say, I'm still standing. I'm filled with the joy of the Lord. God has done something for me. It's time for you and I to understand we celebrate way too little. Way too little. We read scriptures and then we wonder, is this literal or is this figurative? Should I really apply this or should I just assign that to another day and time? 
Scriptures like rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Scriptures like this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Scriptures like rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You see, when we mess that up and we don't apply those things literally, then the outcome we're expecting to receive never occurs. But when we have the joy of the Lord in our lives, we can rejoice at any and all time. As a matter of fact, as the wise man of old, the joy of the Lord becomes our emotional baseline. It becomes our emotional baseline, where we start and where we finish, and how we endure all things. What did the angels say to the shepherds out in the field when Jesus was born? They said, we bring good news of great joy. Great joy. Everything about the coming of Christ should bring joy into our hearts and into our lives. Not stress, not worry, not concern, but joy because of what God has done for you and me. So if we reverse engineer this whole thing and go back and look it through, I think we could say that the one factor that should mark every born-again believer is we should be filled with joy. Every one of us should be filled with joy. We ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean you have to smile like a televangelist all the time. But you should be the most joyful people on the planet. We ought to smile more. I believe we ought to do a lot more things to be happy and to show and express that joy that is within us. We ought to be a little better at having fun than we are at mourning and being sorrowful. I believe the healthiest, the happiest, the holiest people on the earth are those who are able to laugh at themselves while taking God very, very seriously. People who understand how joy works in our lives. Matter of fact, let me illustrate this to you from the Old Testament and from the lives of the children of Israel. We understand that when God, through Moses, set up the Mosaic Law and all the customs, He also put into place seven feasts. We know seven is the number of God, right? The number of perfection. So he gave them seven feasts, seven religious parties, seven celebrations, if you will. And those seven feasts became the rhyme and the rhythm of Jewish life. Those feasts were the feast of the Passover, the feast of the unleavened bread, the feast of the first fruits, the feast of Pentecost, the feast of trumpets, the feast of Yom Kippur, and the feast of the tabernacles. Why seven, I wonder? I don't want to throw this out just to prove a point. I want you to hear me. I believe God gave Israel seven feasts because they were really good at remembering what they ought to forget and forgetting what they ought to remember. Some of us are in that same spot, aren't we? We're always remembering what we should forget. Listen, when God forgives you and puts his sin behind his back, as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again, then shouldn't you try to do the same thing? Rather than dwelling on your mistakes, rather than moaning over your failures, oh, it's time to remember what we need to remember, and that is that we serve a good, a gracious, a merciful God who has an answer for today and tomorrow, who has redeemed us and set us free and given us a home in heaven. That's something to remember. So let's be a little better at remembering what we should remember and forgetting what we should forget. 
A feast is a good way for the Israelites to keep the main thing, the main thing. Now, when we come to this season, the Christmas season, sometimes it gets obscured and clouded with all the commercialism and craziness. Philip, my son, I talked to about him last year or last week and his son, Mason. Well, this week he and Mason and Tyler were walking through a a store And a lady at the front of the store tried to stop them. Sir, do you have just a minute? I want to show you what this great product will do for you. And he said, no, we don't have time. We've got things to do. And then she said, but you guys are so handsome. This would work so well for you. They just kept walking. And Tyler says, Dad, you know she's just trying to sell us something. She doesn't think we're handsome. They say that just to sell us something. The season, right? commercialization. We understand that. It happens on a regular basis. But we understand that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. I know that every Christmas song doesn't mention him or the nativity or the virgin birth. I understand that. I get that. Matter of fact, when someone asked me how the ride in this morning on the motorcycle was, I had to say, baby, it's cold outside. If that offends you and that song offends you, you need to grow up. Come on, there's a lot more to life than being worried about silly little things like that. Amen. We have reason to celebrate. These wise men didn't forget why they were there. They came to find the Christ child. Now, thinking from my perspective, I'm thinking, man, if I just spent a thousand miles on a camel sleeping on the ground at night, I'd just be happy to get there. That's reason enough to be filled with joy. But they were filled with joy because they found the king of the Jews. The NIV says they were overjoyed. They were so overdosed on joy is another way to say it. The English Standard Version says they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. The SVD says they jumped for joy like little children. Now, those are my initials, all right? I want you to understand that. That's my translation. So here's my question. When we're approaching the Christmas season and we're remembering and worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who came as a babe in a barn in Bethlehem, when he came to be our Savior, to forgive us of our sins, our deliverer, to set us free from our chains, our healer, to wipe away our sickness and our disease, our provider, to be there when we have nothing. When we understand we're worshiping him, then have we really rejoiced as much as we should have, as much as we could have? Is that maybe one of our shortcomings? It's one of mine. I'll tell you that straight up. Do we count our blessings enough? both large and small? Do we enjoy the journey that Jesus has placed us on? Did you hit your laugh quota this last year? If not, it's not too late. You can laugh a lot until December 31st and make up for it. Did you smile as much as you should have? You said, well, I really didn't have much to smile about. I lost this and this and this and this. Oh, but you never lost Jesus. You never lost the source of your joy. The scripture says, draw deep from the wells of salvation and find the joy of the Lord that becomes your strength. The wise men were exceedingly joyful. They were filled with joy when they found the Christ child. I believe wise men and wise women today, when we look up and we follow the divine direction that God places in front of us, will also 
be filled with joy. That doesn't mean every circumstance is pleasant. That doesn't mean everything we endure is what we would choose to endure. But it means we understand that, that tears last only for a moment, but joy always comes in the morning. Oh, when I was laying in that bed for week after week after week, and my knee wouldn't heal and the swelling wouldn't go down, and no one would believe Yvonne and I that I wasn't getting better, I was getting worse. All I could think of when daylight comes, I'm going to see that little blonde, and she's going to make me smile again. Oh, come on, folks. Don't look at your circumstance. Look at what God has given to you and give some joy. Give some glory. Give some honor. Smile at somebody. Matter of fact, why don't you practice that right now? Turn to somebody around you. Smile at them. Let them see some joy. Oh, the wise men were filled with joy. We should be filled with joy as well. Smile. Because we have found the greatest gift ever given. To move on to the last point of this message. It's found in the same exact place the wise men followed the star and found the king. It's not Bethlehem, but it's the presence of Jesus Christ. It's there in his presence that we find all that we need, that we're able to move on through him and receive all that he has for us. So the wise men followed the star The wise men were filled with joy. And number three, the wise men came bearing gifts. Look at verse 11 one more time. It says, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother. And they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Tom, would you come back, please? This week I, I read a story of a man years ago who every time he would meet a new individual... He would bring a gift of some kind. Give them that gift as they, were, as they met and were introduced. And then he made this statement, wise men come bearing gifts. Wise men come bearing gifts. Look, these guys had traveled over a thousand miles by camel, slept on the ground at night, endured all types of conditions. They had been there, they had done it, but they still came bearing a gift. The Bible says they opened their treasure box and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What does that tell me? It tells me that no matter how difficult the journey, there is still something we can bring to show we honor, we worship, we magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Wise men come bearing gifts. I thought about that over the last couple of days, that story and that statement. I thought, you know, I'm going to try that at Christmas this year. We have nine grandkids. Now, we... Christmas shop the easy way. On the couch on Saturday morning on Amazon. Everything is shipped directly to Oklahoma. We'll be there. Yvonne will wrap it and we're done, right? So I think this Christmas, when those grandkids begin to open their presents, I'm not going to give them to them, but I'm going to take them. And then I'll walk up and hand them to them and say, wise men come bringing gifts. It's going to blow their mind, don't you think? One of our grandsons, Hudson, he lives in, in Texas. Hudson loves white powdered sugar donuts. And since he's been 18 months old, anytime he sees Pops and Vaughn, he's looking for the donuts. Matter of fact, if we fail to stop before we get to their house, he will say, Pops, you need to go back to the store. I need some donuts. I think I'm going to take a package of donuts and say to Hudson, wise men come bearing gifts. 
See how that flips him out. Try to apply that today. Because when we understand what we have received, whom we have found, it makes us, let me say it, it makes us want to be givers. Let me say it again. When we understand who we receive, what we have found, it makes us want to be givers. Because God has given us the greatest gift of all time. Wonder how many opportunities would be open before us if we were wise men who came bearing gifts. What would happen if we adopted that model? And it doesn't have to be something great or expensive or lavish. It can be something very simple. Maybe a batch of cookies. Maybe a piece of Yvonne's homemade divinity candy. Maybe something that is so insignificant. Maybe it's a kind word or a card written that inspires someone. I've got a whole file of those cards I've saved through the years. And when the enemy comes in, sometimes I'll pull that out, open them up, and begin reading. Because they never cease to inspire me to be a wise man who comes bearing gifts. Mike, would you come this morning? Mike Mahan called me last Sunday afternoon. I'm not going to share his story. He's going to. But he has a testimony. And you remember the title of this message? Your gift equals someone's miracle. Okay, first of all, I just want to say I'm giving him all the glory. I don't want any. Okay, it's not about me because I ain't that good. Um, last Sunday, um, the message that Pastor uh, gave to us was about being somebody's miracle. So I went to lunch after church and um, uh, had to go to the grocery store on the way home. And I walk in the grocery store and it's just packed full of people. I mean, there's like people everywhere. And I have two items. That's it. And the, the 10 item or less is like 15 deep and every... Every aisle, every checkout uh, stand has got like full baskets. So I, I honker down and I, and I get behind this one lady and her young teenage son. And I'm standing there with just two items. And uh, she seems a little frustrated, flustered. Um, something's up with her, I could tell. And she says, you know what? I'm trying to count my money. And you only have two items. So why don't you just go ahead of me? And I was like, sure. You know? So I go ahead of her and there's a lady ahead of me. And I'm standing there and I hear this voice saying, you need to take care of that. And I was like, excuse me? And I was, so I tried to ignore it. I'll be honest with y'all. I did. Um, and then um, uh, the Lord says it again. Michael, you need to take care of that. And so I'm thinking, okay, what if I don't do this and I leave? What's going to happen then? And, <laughs> and it, it, but it really wasn't an option at that time. So, but the, the flesh in me is looking over, trying to total up. How much is that? You know, it's, you know? And so, um, anyway, the bottom line is, is that um, when I paid for my, my food, I mean, my, my two items, I told, I told the lady, I, lo- I leaned over to her and I said, I'm, I'm going to take care of that for you today. And she, you know, very, she's kind of prideful, says, no, 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 I, I, I don't. And I said, no. I said, you listen to me. The Lord told me to take care of that for you. Glory be to him. Okay. Oh, my gosh. The cashier, she starts crying. She comes around hugging the lady and she's crying. And the next thing I know, she said, she looks up at me with her tears in her eyes. She says, you know, I have three more kids at home and I was trying to figure out how I'm going to pay my utilities bill and feed them. And I was like, cool. Uh, It was, it it really touched my heart because here I was thinking, you know, I'm just going to do this and, and be on my way. And, and now they're making a big fuss and. 
you know, I'm standing there just like, come on, hurry up, count all the rest. <laughs> Let's get it over with. And um, anyway, the, the, the point, to, point to it is, is that God allowed me to be a miracle because I had no idea that lady couldn't pay her utility bill. I had no idea that. And now here I am trying to budget. Well, can I afford to do that? It didn't really matter. God knew I could afford it. And that's why he asked me to do it. And so when I left, I had joy in my heart because I got to be a part of something awesome. He used me. But let me tell you, when he, when pastor's talking about joy, when I got to my car, I called him on the phone. I was like, you're not going to believe what just happened. And you should have heard this man. I love him so much. He was, he had so much joy in his heart and excitement. It was just awesome. So I just want to share that with you. But remember, it's not about, it's not what I did. It's what God did through me. And I give him all the glory. And I told those two ladies that, you know, it's all about Jesus. It ain't about me. Okay. Amen. Because your gift could very well be someone's miracle. So this Christmas season, be a wise man or a wise woman who comes bearing gifts. Because God can take what you give and turn it into miraculous provision or encouragement or inspiration or direction or guidance to someone who's needing to hear from the Master. When the wise men unwrapped those gifts and presented them to Jesus and Mary and Joseph, they really weren't appropriate for a small child, were they? Gold, frankincense, myrrh? That's not appropriate. What's a kid going to do with that? But you see, God knew that Herod was going to say every child under the age of two, male child under the age of two in Bethlehem and every region around was to be killed. And God knew that this poor carpenter didn't have the money to get his family to safety. So when the gifts came, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, God used the wise men to provide a need for Mary and Joseph. To give them the means and the finances to protect the son of the living God and allow him to grow up and become our Savior. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that exciting? Wise men look up because there's direction from God. Wise men are filled with joy. And wise men always come bearing gifts. Bow your heads. You're in this room this morning and you say, I need joy. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I hate this season. It's nothing but bad memories and heartache. I need joy. Can I encourage you? Look to the Christ child. Look to Jesus. And there you will find immense, overflowing joy. You'll jump for joy just like a kid. There's nothing greater than having him forgive your sins. Give you a new start. You're sitting here this morning, you say, I need that joy. I need to experience him. I need to see Jesus. That's you, just right where you're at. Slip up your hand and say, please pray for me. Yes, 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 yes. Way up in the back, others. So wait another moment, pray for me. I need to experience some joy. I'm going to pray for you right where you're at this morning. Every one of you, six or seven, have raised your hands. And as I pray, 
you direct your faith to the Son of God and He will touch you, He will help you, He will fill you with joy right where you sit. Father, in Jesus' name, I lift these folks before you and I pray that you would touch them, man and woman, young and old, that you would help them to forget those things they should forget and remember those things they should remember. I pray that you would help them to find in you peace and hope and joy. Lord, during this Christmas season, let the gift of your Son become their greatest source of joy. Let them be overflowing with joy, overdosing on joy today. Speak into their lives. Speak into their hearts. Do a divine and a sovereign work in them, just like you did for those wise men. And let them experience the joy of the Lord, which becomes their strength during this difficult time. So let us seek you today, and in you find that overwhelming joy. Now, this is for all of us in this room today. I've already told you I'm going to try to implement this. But if you want to follow the pattern of the wise men, come bearing gifts. Maybe it's a word of kindness, a word of encouragement, a word of instruction, a word of direction. Or maybe it's something like Mike experienced last week. Helping someone who is in desperate need that he didn't know they were in need. His gift became their miracle. You see, I want to live my life so that my gift becomes someone else's miracle. If that's you, just stand across this room today. I want to live my life so that my gift becomes their miracle. Father, I pray right now for each one of us who have stood to our feet. I pray that you give us strength and encouragement and guidance. Help us to understand that you want to use us to bring miracles into other people's lives. Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with courage and determination and that from this day forward, we would always be like the wise men and come bearing gifts because our gift can be someone else's miracle. Let that concept radiate in our heart and our mind. Let it be deeply embedded in our spirit so that from this point onward, we live to become someone's miracle. I pray it in the name that's above every name, in Jesus' name. Sing it out, Tom. Oh, come, let us adore him. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church... We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 1030, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website chctoday.com